The appearance of anything is from the outside. God always looks at you from the inside. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going through his series called Close Encounters with Jesus. So, get ready to follow along in your Bible as we join Pastor Mike. thought about it said okay let's go so he goes down does the dippity do in the water number one yeah still there just as i thought number two yep still there just as i thought number three on up to number seven and he dunks in the water the seventh time and he comes up his skin was completely healed shocking amazing naaman became an instant believer in god well the thing is is that we realize this He was a Gentile. He wasn't a Jew. Why is that? Because many of the Jewish people believed they inherited their spirituality from their parents. They would do this to Jesus, our father Abraham. Now, we don't have a personal relationship with God, but our father Abraham did, and that's what we're hooking our boat to. That was the idea. So this is what the spiritual blindness, I believe in part, that blinds the nation of Israel at the time of Jesus and even today is spiritual pride thinking you can inherit something that God wants to give you. Well, that's the problem. Well, do you want to accept Christ as your Savior? I'm all right. My money says in God we trust. A Christian nation. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah though we're pretty much a post-Christian nation now, but a lot of people believe that. Well, my mom, I was baptized when I was a baby. I lived like the devil, but I was baptized when I was a baby. Well, is that going to buy you anything on Judgment Day? No. It's a personal relationship with God. It's not ritual. It's not mechanics. It isn't like you're going to the store. I would like to buy some eternal life, please. Well, I've got some of these good works. I'm going to on the table. Can I trade? Hey, how much can I get for this, you know, waxing my dog and helping blind cats across the street? What can can I get for that? God goes, nothing. What? The Bible says all our righteousness is filthy rags. There's nothing I can do to merit God's favor or a relationship with him. You know, a lot of people like to do that. They're name droppers. We have a song on the effect called uh, Name Dropper. And they'll brag about who they know or whatever. Well, I, I you know, I, I shook hands with, with uh, you know, Ronald Reagan or something, and that makes them an instant political figure. I don't know what that does. But they, 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 they want to lay claim to something because they know somebody. Well, the thing is, is that you can't get into heaven by your own work. See, the problem is, if, 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 if going to heaven was based upon... My performance, my being good, my being uh, the charitable guy, me being the civitan, me being the, the, the community equalizer, you know, all those things. 
The problem is, I would never know if I did enough to merit heaven. That's the problem. If, if God wants to give you and me a gift of eternal life, not predicated upon you and my performance, but simply because he loves us, the Bible says he clothes us in his righteousness. Now, why is that important? We go to heaven because he's good, not because I'm good. Isn't that good to know? Talk about freedom. Yeah, in other words, not being manipulated by even religion anymore. Well, now the true believers in God. You know, I, I think it's so funny. I, I, I don't know how many people ever watch Princess Bride. But the very end of it, where he's doing the marriage ceremony, if you remember that. Well, unfortunately, that's the way a lot of people picture anything to do with God. And then if I go and I sit there and the guy's got a really cool, funky hat, you know, I mean, maybe I can get a little closer to God. No, here's the thing. The Bible says Jesus died on the cross, paid your and my debt in full, and because of that, that allows me to go to heaven, not because of what I did, but because of what he's done for me. That's the gospel, friends. That way you never wonder, well, did I do enough good things to get to heaven? And I've talked to so many religious people over the course of my life and doing to every man an answer and all these different things. And one of the questions that will always come up, and I will ask that, if you died today, would you go to heaven? And they retort, well, I've done the best I can. Well, what about going to heaven is not based upon your performance, but upon Jesus's meticulous performance that paid it all? Well, that's great, but what do I do? You accept what he did for you in faith. And when you do that, you're clothed in his righteousness. Now, the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. In other words, you can't get rid of the sin. Why? Because sin is a capital offense. Uh, it's, how many murders do you have to commit to be a murderer? One. How many lies do you have to tell to be a liar? One. Well, one sin will, will keep us separated from God. Now, Adam and Eve in the garden ate of the tree. And uh, they ate of the tree. They tried to sew fig leaves together. And I don't know if you've ever seen a fig leaf. They're big, but they're really scratchy. And they're trying to sew these together with not any tools. And they're trying to cover themselves. Well, where are you? Well, we're hiding. Why? Because we're naked. Who told you we're naked? Oh, yeah, I just blew it. Okay. And so God killed animals and covered them with their skin. So, so it's interesting. They were clothed by the shedding of blood of an animal. Now, what's also interesting, we find this all the way through. This is why Abel's sacrifice was accepted and Cain's was rejected, because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. You can bring vegetables to God. God goes, I'm not impressed. Abel brought a lamb that had been slain. So we find this. Well, now we find the children of Israel are in the desert. They're moving along. And there was a place where God would meet them. It was called the Tabernacle of Meeting. It was a tent. And this tent was kind of a, a, a big building kind of thing. It was, a, it was a portable structure. It was covered with badger skins, shedding of blood to get the skins, okay, then underneath that, you had the ram and you had the, the goat. And then under that, you had the linen. So when you were on the outside, you would look at this 
funny looking badger skin tent thing. And by the way, nobody uses badger skins for, for style. You never see a, oh, do you like my badger skin coat? You never see one of those. Rough on the outside, but on the inside, where the Holy of Holies were, inside you would look up and it was all white. It was all beautiful. How does God see you? He sees you, if you're a Christian, from the inside, not from the outside. He sees you white on the inside, not because of what you did, but the shedding of blood. That's what covered your sins. And so whether it was Adam and Eve being clothed with the skins of an animal or the the tabernacle of meeting in the wilderness. And by the way, David is the one that looked over at the badger skin tent and said, you know, God, I live in this beautiful palace and you live in a badger skin tent. Um, Let me build you a house. God, what house will you build for me? Heaven is my throne. Earth is what I rest my feet on. What are you going to build for me? Do you know the Bible says God does not, and I believe will not, dwell in buildings made with man's hands. But he dwells in us. Dwells in you. Dwells in me. How does God see? God sees from the inside out. He sees white. Man looks on the outside and looks in and sees badger skins. Something to think about. And here's why. The Bible says, when you judge, judge a righteous judgment, not after what? The appearance of anything. The appearance of anything is from the outside. God always looks at you from the inside. Isn't that great to know? That you're under that white covering of what the blood did? Well, we look at this. They were outraged. This isn't the first time that God reached out to the Gentiles for when God sent Jonah to the city of Nineveh to tell them to repent. Jonah didn't want to go, got swallowed by the fish, cruised around the belly of the fish for three days, got ralphed out on the beach. I'll bet you he was a neat looking dude. I don't know if you've ever been around, you know, have you ever been in the water a long time and your hands get all pruney? Jonah was in this for a long time. And I don't imagine that the gastric juices of the fish started working on him as well. Got Ralph down on the beach. He goes into Nineveh. Now, he goes into Nineveh not with warm fuzzies about the town of Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire that destroyed 10 of the northern tribes of Israel, carried him away captive, and when, I suppose when Jonah heard God wanted to destroy Nineveh, he probably said, yes, they had it coming. And God says, no, you go tell them to repent. I don't want to. In fact, I'm going to go down. I'm going to take my money. I'm going to buy me a ticket on a boat, and I'm out of here. Remember the story? He's on the boat. gets really rocky. They're going to sink. They start pitching everything overboard. Jonah just looks around and goes, yep, yeah, you guys got a problem here. He went down and fell asleep in the bottom of the boat captain comes down and says, arise, O sleeper, and if you got a God, you better call on him because we're going down. He gets up, looks at everything, and he says, you know, everybody, the reason why this uh, boat's sinking and this storm is here is because of me. I, I think probably at first they thought this guy's an egomaniac. I was told to go and I didn't want to go to Nineveh, and so I'm on this boat. Throw me overboard and everything will be be okay. 
They rode even harder. They didn't want to do it. Finally, when they knew that they were at their desperation, they grabbed Jonah, threw him overboard. Sea becomes glass. In fact, the Bible says when the sailors saw this, they fell on their knees and they called upon God. And then while he's out in the water, and they're thinking, should we pick him up or should we not pick him up? Should we throw him a life ring? Should we not throw him a life ring? Here comes a big old fish. Oh, here he goes. Special fish. Some people say, well, it was a whale, and whales don't eat people. They eat plankton. It was a special fish. Those gastric juices start working on him. Getting all pruney and green. Get puked out on the beach. All his hair's gone. Hey, Mommy, there's a blonde, there's a bald green man walking down the street saying we have 40 days and we're fried. I think he's telling the truth. The king heard about it, repented. This is a Gentile city. God sends a Jewish boy to a Gentile city that they all hated to tell them to repent. The biggest recorded revival in the Bible is is Jonah's ministry at Nineveh. The capital of the Assyrian Empire. By the way, God granted the Assyrian uh, Nineveh an extra hundred years or so because of what Jonah did. But the Jewish people were outraged. In fact, as you look at this, then all those in the synagogue, verse 28, when they heard these things, they were filled with wrath. God would have anything good to do with a Gentile. Oh, they didn't want to hear that. They rose up and thrust him out of the city. And they led him to the brow of a hill on which the city was built, that they might throw him down over the cliff. Now, this is a way to end a church service, isn't it? Let's get somebody and go throw him off the canyon rim. Well, that's what they were doing. And so it says... And passing by, he passed through the midst of them and went his way. He just disappeared in the crowd and walked right through them all. By the way, they wanted to see a miracle. There was one. This is why uh, when Jesus, I believe, just kind of disappeared into the crowd. That's why I know Jesus didn't have a halo. Get the one with the halo. You know, he doesn't glow. Get the glowing one. Um, I, I think he looked like, uh, get the blonde-haired Irishman, that's him. No, Jesus just passed through them all and went his way. And then he went down to Capernaum and did more miracles. Here's the point. Not everybody's going to receive what you want to say. When you're born again, you've passed from death into life. You've changed the direction and your eternity. And when you've changed your eternity, some people will say, tell me more, I want to know. And some people will say, get away from me. Some you'll be the fragrance of life, to others you'll be the stench of death. Don't let anything stop you from being about your father's business. I am so glad verse 31 doesn't say, and so Jesus said, I'm done with these people and left, and that's the end of the book. No, he just kept on going. You can't let somebody, anyone, stop you, even those that are closest to you, even in your hometown, from doing what God has called you to do. Everything has a beginning. Your life today has a beginning. If you're not a Christian, your life has a beginning today in Him. Because God wants to do something in your life 
the reason you were put on this earth. You're not a mistake. You're not stumbling, bumbling. It's not he with the most toys when he wins, when he dies, uh, wins. No, there's no reward there. It's what's done for God in eternity. That's where you're going to be blessed. This morning, if you've never received Christ, this is communion. Jesus said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And it's really amazing. I'm really pretty taken back by how complex we are as people. I've done a lot of uh, uh, street ministry. I've I've been down in the uh, honky-tonks and and down on Skid Row. And I've I've, I've got down and, and talked to people. You know, their beards and they stink and they puked all over themselves. And I go, do you want to stop drinking? And they'll go, yes. And I go, will you stop drinking? Yes. Mentally, they know it's killing them. Spiritually, they know that it's killing them. But their body says, I don't care. I'm going to keep drinking. It's amazing. Here's the point. There's a way that seems right into a man, but in the end, there's destruction. And when we look at this, we realize how complex we are. God knows that about us. The Bible says we are a triune being. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we are created in His image. You're a triune being. You have a body? Yes. We have a mind? I can think about it. And we have a spirit. Now, the Bible says something went really bad in the garden with the spirit when we rebelled against God. That's why Jesus said to Nicodemus, marvel not that I say to you, you must be born again. You've got to have God's spirit back in you again because the spirit is really the microprocessor of the rest of you. And when you don't have that heart that's right, your body's appetites will be out of line. Your thinking will be wrong. And so the Spirit brings that back into balance again. But it's not something that we can do on our own. This is something that God supernaturally implants in us when we ask him to do that. You see, that's why Jesus said, you've got to be born of the Spirit, man. You can have a body, you can have all the money in the world, and go kill yourself, and that happens all the time. Watch the newspapers, look at the stars. They, they die of these, of these conditions that could have been solved had they had that microprocessor inside of them, that invisible Holy Spirit that would once again bring their thoughts into action, bring their body back under control. But see, you can talk, like I say, you can talk to a drug addict. Do you want to stop? Their mind will tell you yes, but their body says no. And so there's a conflict God wants to solve that problem. Now, Jesus is in the upper room right before he was crucified. Now, Jesus was going to pay the price for all of us for being goombas, okay? (laughs) We're all sinners. Jesus paid the price, restored all of us, okay? And he said, how I've longed to eat this with you. And he holds holds up the bread and said, this is my body which is broken for you. Now, remember, Jesus didn't die of a heart attack. They whipped him with a coat of nine tails. They shoved a crown of thorn on his head. They blindfolded him. They beat him. They chucked spears in his side. They pierced his hands and his feet. And Jesus' body was, was shattered so that we could be healed. Peter, the book of Peter, that disciple that denied the Lord, that finally recognized who Jesus was, 
he said, by his stripes we're healed. And when Jesus held up that bread and he broke it, that's what Jesus' body was broken, so you could be healed. Now, you say, but Mike, I, I don't have cancer, I'm fine. No, I'm, I'm not talking about that. I do believe there's an element of healing in communion for physical diseases, but there's something that's far worse. It, it's that our ability to love, our ability to be loved, the way we look at other people, the way we think about things, the, the enticements that we even as Christians can find ourselves in, by his stripes we're healed. God wants to heal you of those today. Then he holds up the cup and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant for you. We're under a new covenant. A lot of people are always, uh, a lot of the Judaizers are still around today trying to get you to go back and keep the, the Sabbath and, and the pork and all that kind of stuff and the dietary laws and all that. Jesus held up, the, this is the new covenant. What's the new covenant? His blood. That's what makes you and me holy. Isn't that great to know? I don't go out and earn heaven. Heaven is mine. Somebody say, if you died today, would you go to heaven? Yep, absolutely. Why? Jesus died for my sins. I'm clothed in his righteousness. You, you, yeah, but what, 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 what things have you done? Have you knocked on enough doors? Have you given enough money? Have you sold enough flowers in airports? None of that's going to buy anything. Has no value in the kingdom of heaven. The Bible says we go to heaven only because he died on the cross for us, and I've accepted that fact. So here's the deal. You get restored. You get healed. God will take care of those abilities to love and to be loved, our memories, our thoughts, our dreams, all those things. He will heal them. That's what the bread is for. The new cup of the New Testament is how I approach God, whereby Paul says we cry, Abba, Father. And the word Abba in the original language means daddy. And not an adopted child, but a natural born child. I like that. This morning is your day. If you've never received Christ as your Savior, we're going to pray. And you can pass from death into life. Your life now can have a beginning and your ministry will begin as well. Just as Jesus did when he reached out to the people in his hometown. I would just invite you this morning, if you've never prayed and you're sick of the way you've lived, I just ask you to just consider Jesus this morning. He wants to heal you, restore you, give you a brand new life. What, what better than that? What are you living your life for anyway? I've asked people that question. What do you live your life for? Oh, well, for the next rush, for the, you know, I'm waiting for the Honda 25,000 to come out. Yeah, that's going to be good. You know, the Honda 50 was nice, but, you know, the 25,000, that's really good. Zero to five million in two seconds. Wow. Took off with it. My face is still back at the starting line. It was great. But you think about that. What is, what is that motivates people I would pray today that God gives you what you're looking for. And he will. Because what you're looking for is him. You'll never find it in the world. This morning, we're going to have communion. But before we have communion, communion's a kind of a meaningless thing unless you're born again. Unless you've accepted what Jesus has done for you. So we're going to pray. And if you're not right with God, if you don't want another 10 years like you've just had, you pray this, let God do what he wants to do in your life. The Bible says he will. So we're going to pray, then we're going to have communion. Let's pray. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I surrender my life to you. From this day forward, I commit my life into your hands. And for whatever time I have left on this earth is yours. 
So I want to be about your business and about your kingdom. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. And your blood covered my sins. And that you now chose to live inside of me. And so from this day forward, make me the best I can be for you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me to love, to be bold, and to get free of anything, God, that would try to drag me down. And thank you for eternal life with you. Father, I ask all these things in Jesus' name because he loves me and died for me. Amen. Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening and tune in next time for It's Time. Oh, 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 o